Welcome to another episode of Reboot Higher Ed. So we're entering season two of, well, to, actually, wait. To have a season two, we'd have to have a season one. I didn't have a season one, but I do have a good number of episodes that if you haven't listened to, go ahead and go to RebootHigherEd.com. There's my shameless plug. Well, it's not a shameless plug because you're on my podcast, but go check them out. There's, I'm, I have a lot of interviews with experts that work with the post-traditional students, graduate students, um, community partnerships, and there might be things that I've learned along the way, I can tell you that. Um, and many of those uh, professionals, those experts, have a lot to, to give you within 20 to 30 minutes that I think could be very beneficial uh, to your role and the role you serve at your university. So today's show, we're going to jump into something that has been very top of mind for me lately, and that's the, it's how to attract the post-traditional students to your campus. The post-traditional student and traditional student, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some comparing of those. We've always done a lot of contrasting of those in the past, but today we're going to compare them. And we're also going to look at what does attract post-traditional students to your campus. And it's not in the ads. It's not going to be in your advertising. We've all seen the ads, right? The ads that show the parent at home opening their laptop, I'm going to class here, or and then move the scene. Two seconds later, they're walking into a boardroom destroying it, right, and killing it. Right, those are those are very inspirational for many, and I'm I'm not trying to uh, downplay or negate any of the the passion that might come out of someone seeing that. But we all know what the reality is when someone calls or looks to enter our university, and they are the post traditional student that that seamless you know twenty second spot that inspired that individual doesn't always kind of pan out that way. So. The marketing and the influence and the desired outcome of the ads only goes so far because marketing to post-traditional students doesn't happen in the marketing war room. It happens in your boardrooms. It happens in your silos around campus. Uh, it happens at the uh, program level. It happens in our policies that we are making sure are very transparent consistent and lead to degree completion, lead to different degree outcomes, and that we're very intentional in the delivery and where those are placed for students to access, view, and know what the next steps are. To communicate effectively, we have to know the audience. So when we look at our post-traditional students and our traditional students, there are many comparisons. So to make it simple, what I'm going to do is just I'm going to give you what is out there as we look. All right, what is it? What is a post-traditional student? When I when you hear these, I want you to think about your traditional student population and think: Do do any of these match up? Are any of these similar? So here's your non. Here's your post-traditional student. They attend college part time. They work full time while in school. They have delayed enrollment into post-secondary education. They're recognized as financially independent for financial aid purposes. They have dependents other than a spouse. They're a single parent. They passed a general education development, GED exam, or earned a certificate 
of high school completion instead of receiving a standard high school diploma. There's your audience. That's the post-traditional student. Does it also fit some characteristics of your traditional college student? See, the traditional college student, the narrative of the past of the traditional college student is they're 18 years old, they just arrived to your campus this fall, and they plan on making it home there for the next four years. Well, it's different. Because if they fit any of the characteristics that I just laid before you, is that possible? Really just depends. Really depends, but... If you are that person, how are you going to navigate the four years? And, you know, can you even do it in four years? Most likely the answer is no. If you can't do it in four years, we're also going to see that there's plenty of traditional students that give them a year and they become the post-traditional student. And many of them are entering our universities in other ways. And that is where we're going to go with the policies. What's the policies, the pathways, and the degree completion outcomes? And are we making those readily available for those to see? Much of the effort in marketing to the traditional students of our campus, it takes a lot of bandwidth, let's just be honest, especially for many of you that I know listen to this podcast work in the non-for-profit private space. You have very little bandwidth to do a whole lot especially in a time like we're in right now. We have to be adapting and changing. And I've said it in an episode in the past, I forget which one, but we can do a lot of adapting and changing when it comes to curriculum, when it comes to offering different degrees. But sometimes we do cart before the horse, and we also don't think about that pathway to that degree and the development of that program. And what's the audience? And can the audience get to the program? And by getting to the program, I mean, can they get into our university? See, the barrier that exists for many post-traditional students isn't in the overall concept of attending college again and giving it another shot. It's what happens when they try to navigate that journey when they try to do that because um, again go back to the characteristics what I just laid out many are are on that journey alone well they think they are and I know that we have people on our campuses that are there to support uh, those efforts but there's some things that you know we can't support well not that we can't support that we can't push through because there's certain things that are just the way things are the way policies are, are, are set. And when those policies state specific things, they can produce barriers for the post-traditional student. I know we all have academic guidelines and standards that we have to meet by our accrediting bodies. And I'm not talking about those specifics. I'm talking about the overall policies and pathways of our university. I mean, how many do we have? I mean, if we have barriers in mind and understanding the increased adult population, there's some things that we have to take in consideration. And, you know, and, that, and some of those are going to be, you know, for our policymakers, but that would be to restructure financial aid policies, um, to, you know, at the university as well. You know, provide multiple avenues towards awarding credit. 
we've talked a little bit on this uh, podcast about competency-based education, having online courses, and prior learning assessments. I had a, a guest, too, that you even talked, you know, we have online courses for your post-traditional students. So the adult student, the support and retention looks different. So taking in that consideration, um, create degree maps and the outlines, basically a roadmap to degree completion for specific majors within your university. But also make sure that those majors, the things that you're offering, if the market, you know, or if the market says that this is what the adult learners want and they're coming to your university for that, could you go up to any one of those students and say, hey, do you know exactly what this pathway looks like and how to navigate this pathway, what you're going to encounter on this pathway as far as courses? And when we're enrolling post-traditional students into our programs, we're enrolling Remember those characteristics again. We're enrolling a, a whole bunch of people around them. We're enrolling their employer, their family. We're, we're enrolling the, the, their support that they're bringing with them. Or maybe they don't have that much support and all they have is us. But all we have at the university, those that work on the front end, is all we have is what we have that's been developed by the university. I mean, we can't make up our own uh, policies and procedures and run them out of our office or we'll be run off the campus. So we have to take a lot of these things in consideration. There's a lot of work that has to go in. That's, but if we think about it, if the characteristics align, the work that we do for the post-traditional student, doesn't it also assist with the traditional student population? You're always you know, going to have those students that want to live on campus, that want that college experience. Th those aren't, that's not going to go away. But even with those students, many that are enrolled in uh, the traditional format of classes are probably taking a few online courses as well. So what do you think would happen with them if we really make sure that we are um, keying in on the retention of our online post-traditional students? Definitely will play a role with our traditional population too as, as we go along and we're auditing those courses online and making sure that they're... Um, just the resources that are making those resources accessible for the online student uh, is also going to play a huge role in the traditional student experience in the online courses as well. If there's ever competency-based um, implementation at your campus, traditional students can take part in that as well. Again, they, they are not that much different than the population that this podcast surrounds. So... The, um, the efforts that, that go into the development um, to make your campus more adult-friendly will also play a role in making your campus just more friendly. We don't have to put adult around it. More friendly towards what? More friendly towards degree completion. More friendly towards transparency, pathways, and that roadmap that tells you you start here and you end here. And when you end here, Here's what's waiting. Here's the different pathways that our alumni have taken. And these are new pathways that we're opening up because we listen not just to you, but we're listening to employers. And they're assisting in navigating 
um, the university on where we need to be to be proactive in what we offer. But uh, I hope today's episode of, of Reboot Higher Ed was beneficial to you. Uh, don't forget to subscribe uh, for wherever you get your podcast at. And please don't forget to leave me a review. Uh, you can contact me or find my contact information on, on my website, rebootheighered.com. And I appreciate all the support uh, coming from the, in the last year. And I look forward to a productive, solution-driven conversations in the year ahead. Thanks for tuning in to Reboot Higher Ed and have a great rest of your day.